0: Hi, my name's Johnny Good, I'm a professional musician, and welcome to my podcast, Breaking the Shell. In this podcast, you'll find out how I overcame physical, mental, and financial collapse, and how through natural methods, practices, and challenges, I became reborn, re-energized, and successful in all areas of my life. So join me and break out of the shell of fear, negativity, and frustration. Hi, hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me on what is my first ever podcast uh, and my first ever episode. Um, Do you know, I've been meaning to do this for uh, really quite a long time. I really want to share uh, these experiences uh, that I've had, uh, particularly over the last few years in overcoming um, a lot of difficulty and, uh, you know, um, a lot of my healing was down to other people sharing stuff, um, particularly online, be that YouTube, you know, podcasts um, and reading sites and and people sharing information about their experiences that really helped me to heal and become the uh, successful man I am today. Um, and particularly through my experience working as a professional musician, I'm in an industry um, which is rife um, with casualties particularly on the male side of things and um, that's right through the sort of perceived success spectrum if you will right from you know people who are out there sort of busking on the street uh, all the way up to the right top end uh, of the industry and um, Certainly financially speaking, and I've seen some, um, you know, some real sad stories from both ends of the spectrum. So I think it's really important for me to uh, give back and share my experiences on how I overcame uh, not just mental, but uh, physical obstacles as well, particularly, as I say, in the last few years and what I went through from around my mid thirties and onwards. Um, So. Uh, There's going to be a number of episodes to this and further on down the line I'm going to share with you a lot of the uh, methods and techniques and um, stuff which I've picked up along the way. Um, But for this first episode, kind of what makes sense, I guess, is for you to get a bit more of an understanding of who I am, and I just want to kind of share, um, skim over my life, if you will, and give you a little bit more of my background, so uh, forgive this first one for maybe being a little bit uh, egotistical, if you will, I'm just going to be um, sharing with you a bit more about myself and the experiences, so... Um, I'm going to take you right back to 2004, which is the time where at that point I was uh, married. I got married really young. Uh, I was um, in retail management. I was doing a job I didn't want to do. Uh, I didn't really have any positive mentors around me. It didn't really um, have too much in the way of uh, guidance. Uh, And I'm not completely convinced I would have listened to, to, to that too much anyway at that time. Um, but I was a young man. I had a lot of fire in me. I knew what I wanted to do, which was I wanted to be a musician. I didn't know why I wanted to be a musician uh, at the time or how I was going to do it. Uh, and and indeed at that time, the paths um, were uh, seemingly quite limited. It was very much uh, getting a band, make music and kind of hope for the best uh, was the approach. Um, so uh, all I knew really was uh, what my gut was telling me was that everything just felt Uh, really wrong and I was at a point where I'm starting to medicate myself quite heavily with alcohol, I was smoking a lot, Uh, I kind of tried a lot of the uh, tactics available to, uh, avoidance tactics to kind of get away from a life which I wasn't happy with and uh, like many people you just end up really at the the end of the road or at a crossroads indeed and that's where I was and uh, all I could do really was go with my gut at that point and that was to end my marriage uh, and leave the job and leave the city which I was in, which also felt um, very alien to me too. Um, so uh, I made that choice and uh, once that choice was made, um, then uh, everything started to snowball towards a better direction, um, which I understand a lot more now uh, than I did then. We'll touch on that a lot more uh, as the uh, podcast develops. Um so um I find myself uh I met a new girlfriend. Uh, we spend a bit of time in a caravan doing some songwriting um and uh, the, the we, we begin a plan to move to London. Um, now just before we move there, we end up getting um a, invited to the world's biggest busking festival. um it was a, a really big honor and um, we absolutely weren't prepared for that whatsoever. Um, So we were um, really thrown into the deep end. But these uh, good things, really good things start to happen um, sort of inexplicably. Again, uh, I kind of understand that a lot more um, with regards to the law of attraction and how how the secret works and moves. Um, And uh, we'll touch a lot more on that uh, as the episodes go on. But at the time, that was great. Uh, And then, you know, I find myself busking on the tubes a lot find myself um, enveloped in London and in a a music scene of London and making music and starting bands and uh, a lot of busking but supporting myself through music Um, and that was a real buzz. Um, Now what happens to a lot of people is um, really my story with regards to being a London in that I kind of, once you're over that sort of excitement and that buzz, you start to become a bit entrenched in the monotony of the hamster wheel and the years start going past and you feel a bit stuck. That's certainly certainly something happened to me, busking somewhat of a bit of a trap as well of life in that you're a bit fenced in by everyone else's perception. So you can make a living busking uh, if you're organised and you can can busk and you can also, you know, do music in the evenings as well, whether that's paid work or your own music. Um, And that's very much a route I took. Um, But you become perceived as a busker. So it's very hard to climb up the ladder because you're kind of the world sees you a certain way. So it's very important to get out of that and move up the ladder as far as I'm concerned. If you, you know, you you certainly want uh, success and certainly financial success uh, in the industry. And I was there for too long. I ended up busking for, I think, about eight years overall. Um, And um, so that was a time where, um, as things started to get a bit more negative, uh, once again, I found myself medicating with alcohol, and um, I'd given up smoking, started smoking again, and, you know, I'm just... the the input level's getting lower and lower. I'm like, (laughs) I'm busking. Like it would get to a point where you just play, say, here comes the sun for two hours on loop because you make two or three times as much money. But um, yeah, it's just crazy when I think looking back, you know, not only is that mentally really damaging, but also physically damaging, just going over that same part of your vocal range um, over and over. Uh, You know, just crazy and also very much become a slave uh, for for, for money um, with with your art, which is um, never never a healthy place to be. So anyway, so that takes me up now. I'm in my early 30s and um, that's the point where I I meet my now wife. Um, And uh, everything really starts to change at that point. My life was already coming. I was looking for an exit out of London. I wanted to um, move on and... um, Get away! I'd had enough. I felt like I'd, I'd had the opportunities there. I'd had opportunities to tour with bands. I'd, I'd met manage, worked with management, I'd worked with PR companies. I'd, um, you know, I'd, I'd had the opportunities, um, in front of me, and and quite a lot of the time, I didn't want to take them. It just wasn't a lifestyle I was too into, and I'd sort of peeled back the veil of the industry uh, as it was then. Certainly with regards to being in a band and uh not not liked what I've seen, certainly not wanted to live that way and by the point I'd been that long in London I'd been in London for we're talking now seven or eight years, I had my own very small flat um and it was homely, and I had a cat and uh it felt like home and um that's the way my life was going. you know, I didn't want to be touring Europe at that point it just didn't interest me uh, at all uh now, I know it interests lots of other people, but I was starting to find out about myself and uh, I was like, that's not for me. So what am I doing here and what do I want? So um, myself and my uh, uh, now wife then decided, let's 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 get out of London. Let's um, move away from not just London and where I'd kind of um, become a bit um, stagnant and stale. But also, you know, there's a lot of memories there and it was time to move forward. So it. We moved on. We we spent about a year up up north in New Yorkshire, um, here in the UK, um, and I recorded an album which I'd wanted to record for ages. I just recorded that up north, um, but it was it was tough. That was a tough time. Um, things didn't quite work out as well. Um, you can imagine the shock of really. We were living in a small village, so coming from uh, uh, London, also a bit feeling very accelerated all the time, and then coming to a small village and applying that same level of acceleration um just um didn't sit too well with a lot of people um so things didn't quite work out but it it had its value and we used our time pretty well there um and then we decided to come back to my hometown um back here in Norwich uh really a case of better the devil you know didn't expect to be here as long as we have but that's um that's how things have worked out. So what I did when I got back here was just started busking again. I was like, need to make a name for myself here. Let's get out. We'll get some gigs. You know, it's a good way to meet the uh, people in the scene and uh, get work. And um, pretty uh, soon into that, I would say probably about two years into that, maybe a year and a half, two years, uh, is when um, we had our first tour. Uh, Uh, and only child, uh, my son, and at this point I'm in that sort of hamster wheel again of uh, not full on sort of medicating with alcohol and and the occasional cigarette and stuff, but I'm very much like still in that musician's lifestyle again, Um, and I'm starting to feel like I'm just doing the same thing again and again and again. Maybe it's easier to look at that in retrospect than uh, it was at the time, but um, I look back now and I can just see myself cyclically going round the same, uh, the same place, uh, feeling the same uh, and making the same uh, mistakes, if you will. Um, and it can be hard to look at those things as mistakes because I always learned stuff and I had a lot of fun too, you know, it's. Um, absolutely not all doom and gloom but at the time you know you're just going through your motions never quite stopping and taking stock and having a look at maybe you know is this a great way to go about this um so uh a son's born it's um it's just a massive smash in the face (laughs) and any of you guys that have uh that have children will know um you know your life uh just goes upside down and um George my son doesn't really sleep for 9 or 10 months uh and it's it's just brutal and um i'm kind of um just sort of coping hanging on by fingernails through that time um but still sort of um not changing not changing i haven't i haven't really grown up i don't think i'm sort of Let me think, I'm probably about 30, 34 at that point. And uh, yeah, I've not really grown up. I've not really um, moved to that next phase that I need to. Um, So um, I'll take you to a New Year's Eve gig. It's a solo gig in a small village here in Norfolk. And I'm going to be taking the uh, packed pub through from think about half nine to the fireworks at midnight and then a few songs afterwards just gonna grab a slug of tea so I'm playing in front of this packed pub and I really remember um, looking and thinking how am I gonna get through this I felt rough I felt like I'd had a son for nine months still so at that point 12 months that hadn't slept. And I think my immune system was really low. Um, I had some sort of cold. Um, My voice felt weak and tired. And, you know, for any vocalists, you know, that's just a really horrible place to be. Um, So I'd had no training as a singer. I I really, I didn't really, uh, I suppose, even understand my voice. I just kind of sung and usually something happened. So I had no, um, no, no, back warm-ups or ways of really gauging what was going on um I just kind of helped for the best so I, I set my stuff up get dive in I'm six songs into my set I'm doing a Paul Weller song um and my voice sort of pops and um then just um I wouldn't say it disappeared but it um all the power just it was just like emptying a balloon just like all the power um, went from it, and um, I remember sweating <laughs> quite a lot. We're about um, we're about ten o'clock, probably two hours till New you know New Year's Eve. It was a good pain gig too, um, as it would be on New Year's Eve. Um, and oh, it was awful! It was awful. I don't know how to this day I got through it, um, but I did. I do remember saying see you later to the um, landlord and landlady who I knew. I'd, I'd, I'd done a few gigs at that pub and there wasn't a voice there. It was literally like that. that was about it. And they were like, huh? okay. It's just like, that guy's speak. <laughs> you know, I just remember just having nothing. I didn't know what happened. I'd gone home. I was tired. Went home and um, got a bit of sleep. And the time passed. I'm going to skip that a bit on from there. Time passed. Weeks, months had passed. Um, I'd already decided around this time, you know, I wasn't going to busk anymore. A few months prior to that gig, I was like, I've had enough of that. This isn't working. And I couldn't sustain it, you know, so I was very much like I was looking forward to the next year was going to be, I'm just going to go after gigs. I need to get up the ladder. I've got to try and, you know, change things around a bit. But uh, as the weeks went past, it became really clear that that wasn't going to happen. And um, my voice just didn't recover. Uh, and that was really, um, really quite scary. Um, and uh, I remember meeting a busker colleague, uh, a friend at the time. And uh, he was kind of like, oh, it'd be fine, it'd be cool. And I knew that something was really not quite right. So... Um, The first thing I did was I went to the doctor, which is kind of what I would have always have done. Um, You know, some things we're taught, something's not right, go to the doctor. And uh, the doctor will be able to hopefully tell you what's wrong and then you'll get it fixed, right? That's the kind of naivety I think I had uh, back then. So I do that and the doctor's like... uh, don't really know, have some antibiotics, which um, you know, I look back now and just think that's absolutely insane that you would take antibiotics um, for something you don't know what it is, that's just going to make stuff worse, <laughs> and we'll we'll come back to that in a bit so I take the antibiotics um, and I actually end up having a bit of a reaction to them. Uh, but halfway through the course I start getting like sort of a rash. Um and uh so I stopped taking those and the rash is pretty severe, but it goes away quite quickly. But my body definitely did not want those antibiotics, that's for sure. Um and you know, the voice is the same. Um it's just it doesn't work. Um so I'm back and forth with the doctors a bit. Uh, they're uh, keen to try me on other things, um, maybe pharmaceutical sort of things. Um, but I'm not so keen um, and uh, I end up going to have uh, a scope on my on my voice. And very much the vibe is there's we're not going to find anything. This is a bit of a waste of time. This is in your head. Um, you're a singer. You know, you're precious about your voice. Quite condescending. And this is a this is an experience which a lot of people that I've read have had, Um, particularly if, you know, you don't want to take the drugs and you actually want to start investigating something. So um, they have a look with a a scope and um, there you go. I remember his surprise actually of, oh. There is actually something here. And I have what's known as a hemorrhaged polyp. So uh, when I look back now, I absolutely, um, 100%, I know that I carried that polyp for a long time. And a polyp on the vocal cords kind of gives you a bit of a uh, Brian adams Rod Stewarty, y Kurt Cobain-y sort of uh, sexy um, roughness to your vocal cords. Um, and it can be quite desirable. Loads of singers get them, um, you know, Michael Buble carried one for a, a while and actually liked the tone of his voice at that point. Um, but uh, he ended up getting it removed because they can become troublesome. And if they become a bit troublesome, they uh, can uh, increase in size and they can also hemorrhage, like what happened to me. So essentially a bleed on the vocal cords. It's a bit like having a bit of blue tack on a guitar string, you know, and it just doesn't resonate quite right. Well, mine had got to the point once it re- uh, it had hemorrhaged that the, the voice just didn't work Uh, smoothly and it was um, uncomfortable to speak my voice would get tired and uh, you know it was just uh, it was just hard work I really had to engage uh, my diaphragm and really engage breath to try and get words out it was hard if there's any sort of background noise or it's in a car or indeed doing anything like this then um, oh no it just wouldn't happen so uh, there it is the hemorrhage polyp. so um, I arrange um, um, well, that didn't actually happen Um, I didn't arrange to get it removed straight away I ended up doing about another 8 months of gigs I kind of thought, well let's see if we can cope with it maybe things will improve Um, and uh, I just kind of carry on the same again (laughs) Like something's trying to tell me something but I just don't want to listen so I just carry on Uh, doing gigs, doing some wedding gigs and uh, I remember doing one of my last gigs and it's very hard to perform when you don't want to be performing and you know it's going to hurt it's hard to look forward to it particularly if you're um, mentally weak too and you're worn down like I was so um, I eventually come to the conclusion that I'm going to, I've done a lot of research by this point into The Voice and um, I followed some people's stories. I remember reading Keith Urban's story about him, sort of just before he was going to have the surgery. I uh, have seen some of the not so good outcomes of people that have had vocalists that have had surgery on their vocal cords, and I kind of make an educated decision that I've I've tried it for long enough, and um, that it's time to time to a- arrange to get it surgically removed. So I do. Um, the day comes. And the deal is generally um, to be quiet for at least two, three weeks after you have the surgery. Now, they don't necessarily tell you that uh, over here on the NHS. They'll say, oh, I'll give it a couple of days, you'll be fine. There's a lot of flippancy about it. But when it's your, your voice, literally your voice, your, your vocal window out to the world, it's a really big deal, particularly when it is your living. And um, yeah, so it's a big deal. So I do the surgery, um, it was a success, and um, off I go, I'm quiet for three weeks. Um, that's an experience in itself, if you just don't speak for maybe a morning, even an hour, um, you get a feel of quite how challenging that can be, just go have a bit more tea. Um, um, but it also took me to a mental space I hadn't been before, and i actually think that was quite good to be tested um, 3 weeks later start speaking again things don't actually feel that different i start recording a little bit my voice tentatively singing a few songs and stuff feels a bit better but not that much better not like the amount of better i was expecting and i'm like oh okay Well, it's not that now. So what's going on? Um, And that got me to a a really interesting crossroads where my health started to continue to um, sort of decline. Um, I just started feeling really tired a lot. And I guess I just had stopped. I'd stopped from all of the busking and now I'd stopped doing the gigging. And... It was the first time I'd done that um, since I can remember. And I think my body took the opportunity just to go, right, we stopped now? Okay, let's deal with this. <laughs> and just dumped this massive load on me, just of all of this stuff which hadn't been dealt with up until, you know, my mid-30s. And my body just started to go um, wrong. Wrong um my gut started to not work like it used to i used to be a person that could sort of drink and eat wherever i wanted and it became started to become difficult to consume certain things without uh getting either what's called silent reflux at night so that would be sort of uh vaporized um stomach acid on the vocal cords but also around the 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 nasal cavities and indeed into the lungs too um, and I started to research stuff. It got to the point where I wasn't getting out of bed, I was just just fatigued beyond fatigue. I was just smashed up my my system just wasn't working and I just felt like I was dying. I was just mentally just not there. Um, and you know, I felt like, well, I've had the surgery. This isn't working, and I, I'd been back and forth to the doctors a few times, and we'd gone down the road of antidepressants, and I was really stoic with that. I was like, no, 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 antidepressants are not going to fix this. This needs to be fixed, not, uh, uh, I'm not depressed, although that's that's a tough one to gauge. I didn't feel depressed in that I wanted to fix it and I wanted to get on with my life. Um, uh, Yeah, so I was offered that and I was also offered um, uh, like antacids, like blockers, um, which are meant to block the acid or or, or lower the acid level, which I later found was just um, not the right approach at all to healing. Um, The gut, indeed, most of the time, it's um, low acid levels in your gut that are causing the issue. Um, And that's called LPR, by the way, that's called laryngopharyngeal reflux. I found out after an awful lot of research. And the thing is with that, that the voice is the symptom. And that was very much missed by all GPs and specialists that I dealt with uh, in the surgical capacity. Um, And that's very much dealt with, if it is um, um, brought up with, well, you know, take Gaviscon, um, take the antacids, you'll be fine. Um, But I wasn't so happy with that, and I started doing enough research that I started to realise that... um, that 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 wasn't that wasn't the thing I I needed to subscribe to. I needed to find this out for me, and for other people because I started you know joining groups online and seeing all these people suffering. I was like, no, there's 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 another way out of this. I'm here. I can I can fix. I'm present. I just need to work it out. So once I got my head around this being a gut issue. Um, I started researching. Uh, I'm, I, I've gone plant-based by this point. By the way, I've been vegan now for almost six years. Um, gone plant-based, um, and we're pretty blind into that, trying to work stuff out how to how to live a vegan lifestyle, how to uh, get plant-based foods, and how to eat. Well, a lot of it was we were applying what we yeah, how we'd eaten before, which is the way a lot of people eat in the West. To sort of okay, well, we'll just Swap stuff out, and uh, you know, uh, any vegan will t- I'll tell you, you know, you, you can't just take vegan cheese and put it in, on bread and go, Well, that's vegan toast, then, right? Because uh, <laughs> it's a different different substance, a lot of the stuff isn't applicable. Um, although these days, I mean, life things have changed so much in those six years, but um, back then it was a bit harder to, to, to go plant based, to go vegan, um, not so much now, so you know. Go vegan. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that's I certainly started seeing some improvement, but I was so far gone. There was a lot of people that'd see, like, you know, who'd go vegan or go plant based, and they go, Wow, I f- just feel great. And I still didn't notice that that transition, although it was a very good choice, very good choice. Um, I started researching stuff. I certainly find that my there's something profoundly wrong with my gut, and I start relaying that to uh, the antibiotics. Um, you know depleting a lot of the flora of the gut and uh, you know it would be easy to blame them but also the many years prior that the medicating through london um, the medicating through the divorce um and the smoking the drinking the lifestyle um and the feeling uh, fenced in hemmed in shut down quieted down uh, it all started to kind of make sense that uh my gut feelings have bit had been kind of taken away. My nouse, my, my first brain, if you will, a lot of people call the gut the, the second brain. I call it the first brain because if you have that taken away, trust me, your your brain brain, it does not work. <laughs> so um that's my first brain. I really um always conscious to um work with my gut um and make sure I keep it really healthy these days. So um Just loads of digging online took me to turpentine. Uh, And this was a bit of a controversial one because I find a couple of people talking about it online, about the the black slaves uh, taking turpentine, which is essentially natural pine oil from the pine tree to heal um, stomach issues um, back when these guys had nothing, right? They had to use their... Uh, now still live off the land, and, and information was passed on. And uh, the usage of turpentine was rife through the 1800s, and then um, as things developed, penicillin developed um, into the 1900s, it was pretty much totally sidelined. And it was picked up by uh, a doctor called Jennifer Daniels, who ended up being um, pushed out of the practice and actually um, working from Cuba, uh, I believe. Um, and I started following her and, um, you know, I'm pretty desperate at this point. Now, a lot of you people might think, whoa, turpentine, that sounds pretty hardcore. Don't you clean paintbrushes with that? This is the 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 pure, the pure turpentine. But even so, when you get the bottle, there's a very much like, do not consume this at all. You'll die. Um, but like most things, uh, and I have to be clear, I'm not telling anyone, by the way, to, to consume uh, turpentine or anything else. This is just my experience. Um, and my experience is most things, you know, if you have enough water, it's going to kill you. Most things are, are um, uh, based on dose, dosage, how much you're going to take of something. Usually, that's um, might have a good or a detrimental effect. Um, so I follow her protocol very strictly. I that involves about a month of um, a fast, um, just consuming um, leafy greens and um, Uh, seeds, and that was just about it. Very alkaline, very cleansing uh, to the system. At this point I'm very lean indeed. The leanest I've ever been. Um, And uh, I should also make clear that it was my suspicion that I had a lot of parasites in my gut because my gut had become um, so um, welcoming for parasites. My defenses were down. That's when You know, stuff comes in, be that a virus, be that parasites, um, you know, that's when you're low, when everything's um, under attack constantly and that's when opportunists will come in and that's very much what parasites are, right? And parasites everywhere, by the way, we all have parasites and you you can get them from a door handle, they're on everything. Um, It's just, we naturally have strong, should have strong defences to them. But again, if they're weakened, they'll move in. And I very much knew uh, I had them. I'm not going to go into the gory details, but there's times when you can feel them. And I've seen um, I've seen uh, videos of people when they're doing practices to expel them, where they, because they're in the bloodstream, they can move through everywhere. They'll move through your blood. They can move through your brain. Um, they can um, really, really take you to some... Um, pretty crazy places actually when you're trying to expel them because obviously parasites just want to live off you under the radar. But uh, when you get to quite an extreme amount, like uh, I felt I had, things start to get a bit uncomfortable um, and you just start to feel really rubbish. And as I say, stuff isn't working. It isn't working. You're getting taken over and you're getting, um, you're slowly dying, right? That's certainly how I felt. So anyway, it was drastic action taking turpentine, I suppose, something which I didn't take lightly. And then I start taking it uh, following her protocol, which is, I think, as I remember, like a teaspoon, the sugar, and taking that, I think, once every four days. And I ended up getting to a point where I was pretty much taking it every day um, because I felt like it wasn't happening. And then one day I went to the loo and... um, a lot of stuff came out uh, let's put it that way um, um and that felt good that was definitely um a moment a turning point that I'd finally kind of um got rid of a lot of um uh, that one problem um you know uh, from being i think right at the bottom of the the bottom of the mountain should we put say you know i was right at my lowest ebb and that was the lowest ebb i needed to start moving up and that was the first real big turning point um and I'd sort of I'd done that from research so it b- really boosted my confidence of um looking in other places for solutions other than what I've been prescribed to and uh um, advertised to um in the west um of you know go to the doctor they will fix it you know as I said earlier so It's kind of like, okay, well, that worked. Uh, At this point, I'm very weak. I think I was probably about 11 stone, something like that. Maybe a bit lower than that, actually. Maybe 10 and a half, 11 stone. Um, Definitely the lightest I'd ever been. Uh, And prior to that, I'd actually been, when I was really unwell and ill, quite overweight. So I think I'd ended up losing, I think I lost about four stone, something like that. So I would have been down to about 10 and a half. Um, as I say, about 14 and a half stone prior to that um, so quite overweight, really super lean, no muscle tone really, just like just uh, lean and um, then it was, uh, I was kind of like right, at that point still not working voice really struggling um, and it becomes really clear that yes I had this hemorrhage polyp, yes I had this polyp but Also, because I have this LPR issue, I have this constant uh, night reflux, not during the day, but the silent reflux, which is vapours of stomach acid getting into your system. And what it does is it leaves pepsin, um, which breaks down proteins essentially around your uh, cells. So if the pepsin becomes activated at a certain pH, um, it'll start breaking down your cells. It's very uh, necessary in the gut to break down protein. Uh, in food, but what you don't want is that happening in your throat or your nose on those sensitive tissues, because just a little bit of that is going to cause huge levels of irritation. You don't have that protection like the gut has, obviously, uh, in in the in the in the uh, nasal uh, cavities and in the throat. So just a little bit of um, activated pepsin is going to cause you a whole world of pain and discomfort. So that's why I was experiencing a lot. And speech was difficult. There would be lots of days where I just wouldn't speak. I'd just be in my own world still. And uh, that's when things got pretty depressing. Definitely, that was a tough time. So I'm I'm, I'm healing, but it's a tough time. Now, uh, around that kind of time, I also decide to start a band. So I make a positive choice. And I was going to be the drummer. I didn't really play drums, but I thought, well, that's a way to get me doing something again. You know, get me out anyway and not feel like I'm on the sort of the desperate scrap heap because, you know, I'd lost my business. We'd lost everything Um, and we relied on my income. So um, let's have a bit more tea. So it seemed a bit crazy at the time, but I did that for a bit. And then I just couldn't find a singer. And out of kind of frustration, I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to sing. I'm just going to do it. And see if I can do it, see if I can push through it, and I think now when I look back, that was a great decision, I did plenty of gigs in those early days which were really painful, and quite scary actually because um, it's not very nice going on stage, or uh, you know, performing uh, when, you know, if it's like being a guitarist, but you know, you've got cuts all over your hands and no one can see that with your voice, and um, and there was a few gigs where I just, my voice caved. But uh, I did them. And I got back out there and formed this band, which I'm still running to this day. And, um, you know, it's really successful. So that's, you know, it was a great choice. Um, but I'm still researching. I'm still working at the gut. I'm trying out so many different things. I've tried, you know, fasting at this point. And, um, I'm I research so much, I start, understanding that my gut is uh, low on acidity, which happens to loads of people, you know, as you get older, uh, the acidity levels in your in, in your gut lower. Um, so you need to address that. No one really, you know, spoke about that. Certainly not like experienced with regards to sort of GPs and things. Um, probably because it's, um, you know, that's a hard one to monetize. Uh, and, you know, antidepressants and I think they're called um, proton pump, inhibitors, PPIs. They're the two biggest selling, if you like, drugs. Um, They make an awful lot of money. So, you know, you've got sort of acid blockers and uh, depression blockers, but none of these things solve anything. They just block and make people quite dependent on them, um, which garners a lot of revenue. So um, yeah, so uh, I've taken quite a lot of things. I've dropped this um, number of different... um, um, acids you can sort of add into before you're eating and that kind of thing to add into your gut. And, um, you know, things like apple cider vinegar, vinegar, I remember taking. And then there's a lot of conflicting information research, 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 good old internet. And then I find something called celery juice, uh, <laughs> which uh, is just celery juice, right? You just um, 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 liquefied uh, a, a bulb of celery, civet, pint of that. Uh, in the morning, and that changed so much in the gut. That gives basically helps the uh, body to create its own stomach acid and its own blend. As far as I know, the stomach acid is a blend of a lot of different uh, acids, um, and it's unique to you. So the idea of sort of dropping drugs in or dropping in like um, substances like, uh, like apple cider vinegar and going, okay, well, maybe I've help that it's kind of a bit crazy because it's the wrong it's the wrong profile for your body so um i started understanding that started taking that and things are starting to improve now along this time parallel to a lot of this gut work and as i do these podcasts uh, i'm sure that um things are going to pop into my mind of oh and i did this and i did that because there was an awful lot of other stuff, which I did along the way. And some of the stuff worked. An awful lot of it didn't. Um, but I was up to for being the guinea pig because anything was better than where I was, right? Um, but at that point also, I discover um, uh, I'm, I'm watching Ninja Warrior and I'm just looking at the body. And I guess I'm sort of, because I'm lean, I'm leaner than I've been for years. And I'm also vegan. And the diet's improving, improving, improving. And I've also done this fast and I'm making good decisions. I start like, oh, maybe I should like run, give running a go. Because I used to run Um, a little bit. And I ran, was a good runner when I was younger. But I, hadn't, I couldn't run for a bus at this point. I really could not run for a bus. Found something called Couch to 5K, which was an app, or is an app. And I was like, okay. And I got really deep into it really tuned into and it basically takes you i think it's two or three times a week it builds you from um couch sofa <laughs> ridden to running 5k i was like wow okay to me at the time 5 kilometers wow okay Whew. let's see how that goes and it's 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 superb if you're remotely interested in running you want to get into it couldn't recommend it enough um and it became very spiritual. I would go in the morning, I'd um, listen on my headphones to um, the couch to 5k instructor, and it would be like, okay, you do like maybe eight intervals, and it would take you about half an hour. And at the end of it, after this journey, you do a half an hour run, and then it says here, you go, that's 5k, you've done it, great. And that was the start of a, a huge run journey. And... Um, and I didn't know at the time, but that was building more than just my leg strength and my my physical strength. But it was it was teaching me um, so much. It was teaching me persistence, and it was teaching me a level of a level of learning and a level of respect which I hadn't had for a long time. Um, and at the same time, other practices start to come into my life. Wim Hof method. Um, getting out in the cold, breathing exercises uh, start dabbling with yoga, start getting into calisthenics, start getting into actually just doing some weights, start lifting, start off with 5k weights just doing a has fit workout for 15 minutes every morning just like, okay, let's just do this every morning, see what happens just like curious, and my brain's coming back but in a new way um, I feel uh, just reborn, um, in a very deeply spiritual way, um, just with a new mind, a cleaner mind than I'd had ever, um, and that's why I stress sort of reborn, um, over sort of, well, I'll just do things a bit better, but I really felt like my whole approach um, was becoming potent and I start then discovering things, I start discovering um, and listening more listening's key, I'm listening more I'm older, I'm listening more <laughs> my son's sleeping better too <laughs> that helps um, and I start We this a lot of this journey was along with my wife I use a lot of I but me and my wife did this very much um, together, I mean my wife did the turpentine thing with me, I have an amazing wife um and we um you know life has been tough up to this point financially you know it's been really difficult a lot of the time it's just living off a credit card um really really difficult um with with very little help but things start happening we start reaching out for help um find a great charity called help musicians that Help me through things. They put me in touch with BAPAM, who are an uh, organisation that help musicians um, get the healthcare they need um, and get back on their feet. Start reaching out. I started receiving help and finding um, positivity, and I'm healing. The body's moving more, and I'm listening more to the gut. I'm understanding and I'm addressing stuff. Um, I'd stop drinking Um, and my diet at this point is um, recovering. I'm starting to eat more again. And there was a long period where I was eating very, very limited foods, like really limited. Um, Still at this point, having a lot of issues with LPR. I mean, that went on for years. My throat was really um, struggles and sometimes still, sometimes all the time, but it's still a weak area sometimes. Um, and, um, but, um, oh, it's so much stronger now than, uh, it, it, uh it's, it's ever been really. Um, and I think that's a lot of work for a vocalist too, you know, you, you uh, or anyone that, um, wants to protect a part of their body because that's either how they make the living or, um, yeah, for whatever reason, you know, it, c- it can become your weak area. So you really have to work at that. Um, but, um, Yeah, it became a time um, where I was beginning to see things were really turning a corner. Things were certainly improving Um, and um, I was making better choices. Confidence was coming back and uh, we start um, looking into the law of attraction and understanding what's the secret if you haven't looked into the secret or indeed the law of attraction I strongly recommend that I'm going to do a big episode on that and talk about that later in the podcast um a uh, later episode don't worry not on this one <laughs> um I'm really conscious I want to keep this under an hour I knew it would be a big one just to go through this but um we're getting there so we're getting to the good bit at the end here it's a bit lighter um so um yeah uh learn about the law of attraction and and really that was that was the real big the real big moment where things really changed um and understanding the law of attraction and how to how to really act in a day to day basis how to practice um gratitude how to be positive uh not just a hey you know positive attitude and throw away and not think about it but within every uh decision, every every movement, every uh, every aspect really of my life, how to apply that uh, to become truly potent. Um, that really was the big game changer. At that point, um, Covid happened in the world. Um, I was set for a really busy year um, with gigs and I remember so many people in my, my field and in music and in the arts just being like, oh my god, what are we going to do? And a lot of panic. I remember feeling very calm. I spent a few weeks of, oh, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that. And then I just had to down tools. And during that time, I just ran. I ran, 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 ran and did physical training. Like I would do physical training for three or four hours a day. Uh, I did challenges. I ran one month. I ran 10k every day. So I did the distance equivalent of about seven and a half marathons in one month. And after that 10K every day, I'd do that three hours training, be on the punch bag, calisthenics, weights. Then I'd eat very, uh, very well. i got in the best shape of my life. We're getting really close now to to where I kind of got to. So, and that showed me by the end of that, I, I, I'd achieved, I did a, a 5K in about 19.30. Uh, so an amazing time for me. My splits were sob four minutes. Um, and I was running as times as fast as sort of I have a friend who was uh, like in his mid twenties, and very fit, very fit indeed. Um, so I was doing extraordinary, extraordinary things. Um, and uh, my aim there was to um, become the fastest, the fastest guy in my age group at my local park run. I never quite got there, but you know, I'm I'm back working on that. At the minute, <laughs> um, but I got to a point where. I got to around uh, September after the COVID, so probably about seven months and I was very aware things were starting to gear themselves back up again. So um, uh, I kind of was like, well, I need some balance. I'm going to keep doing the fitness, but I can't keep doing it that extremely. What I need to address is the financial and my businesses, my business and, and Everything just unfurled at that point. I found the direction which I needed, but I applied the ethos of running to my business, the persistence, the consistency, and the self-belief, and the goals. And uh, the last year has just been absolutely incredible, like absolutely incredible. And it's uh, very much a story of ascendancy now, on the up, and uh, everything feels great. It really, really feels great. And... Um, I feel great. I feel very potent. I feel strong. I'm 43 years old now. Um, At the moment, I'm doing another 5K a day challenge. So I'm running every day. I'm working hard every day. I work hard on YouTube. I work hard um, uh, creating stock music. Um, Obviously, just started this podcast and just doing a whole load of uh, positive stuff. The band's going great. Solo career's going great. And um, that's to the point that I just wanted to share this story with you guys. So I want to get obviously more in depth with some of those things that happened along the way. Um, I'm going to talk about some of uh, those those key methods. Definitely uh, Wim Hof. Um, I certainly want to talk um, some more about uh, LPR and uh, about um, uh, overcoming any sort of issues. Uh, uh, inflammatory illness which you might be struggling with or autoimmune illness um and what that's like to um uh, and I certainly want to share a lot of the s- secrets if you will for uh, success for how to um maintain consistency how to be potent how to reach uh goals how to um um be reborn how to you know how to go through that experience and uh and become more of the person or indeed the person that you want to be uh and there's so many things which I haven't touched on I did a whole whole load of counseling too I did a whole load of voice therapy so uh I'm be- gonna be covering a lot of those things which I went through um which really um profoundly uh changed my life and I hope you get an awful lot out of it um if you've got this far thank you for listening to this podcast this morning it was a it was a um it's this morning here, of course. I don't know what, uh, what time it is that you're listening to it. Um, uh, thanks for listening to that story. Uh, that's my story. Um, and uh, I hope some of the future episodes are going to really help uh, enlighten you, uh, possibly uh, comfort you, inspire you to um, enhance your story and become the best version of yourself that you can be. My name's Johnny Good. Thanks for listening to my Breaking the Shell podcast, episode one. Take care of yourself and have a great day.